you are in a relationship with God and you know that today is a good day and that it reflects and remembers and celebrates something that is truly, truly life-changing. Life-giving and life-changing, and by the way, I think it's meant to be life-giving and life-changing for a lifetime. So it's not meant to be something that's just a spark, something that's just, you know, like a little injection for a moment. This is a gift that is meant to bring us freedom and purpose and healing and wholeness for the rest of our lives, so much so. I believe that it's impossible to actually meet Jesus, to have a relationship with God and to stay exactly the same. It doesn't mean that we don't have plenty challenges and that you're not still, that you don't have a lot of room in terms of growing and, and figuring stuff out and maturing, but I would argue that it's impossible to stay the same. In fact, so much so that I would say that if you, in your mind, have been a Christian for maybe an extended period of time, maybe several months or maybe a couple of years, and by Christian, I don't mean the, the political term, I mean like you're a follower of Jesus, and if you feel like there's nothing that has changed, is it possible that you're serving or trying to follow a fake Jesus? Is it possible that you are looking for the living among the dead? You see, Jesus' disciples, and um, this stood out to me just recently again, that, that they actually followed him for three years before they actually really seemed to realize who he was. And, and that might sound discouraging. I actually think that that's encouraging. I actually think that, it's, I think that it, it actually encourages us to be patient with people, patient with our own journey, um, patient with, with this process of, of actually following Jesus in order to see whether or not he is who we may hope he is, or to have our hopes corrected towards who he, towards who he is in the sense, not that he's less than what you hope for, but that he's actually more than what you hope for. You see, in Jesus' disciples' case, they were a little bit disappointed because they had hoped that he was something else. But he wasn't less than that. He was so much more than that. And so often I think we are, even if you are a follower of Jesus, so often I think we are actually looking for the living among the dead. We're looking for life through works, through significance, through, through success, through, through all kinds of stuff when actually that's not what's gonna bring us life. And it's not that those things might not actually be good in themselves, but when we get the order wrong, so when we're looking to those things to, in a sense, save us, and by the way, the word salvation is, is, is the similar root word in the Bible that is used for healing. So we, we look for those things to heal us, to make us whole when, when actually it's when we are being made whole in Jesus that actually we can enjoy those things. We can steward those things. We can, we can appreciate them as gifts from God and not turn them into God's. Yeah. Where we're looking to them to fulfill us, to save us. Luke 24 verse five says, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about, about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them, and in their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? If there's nothing else that you walk away with today, I want you to walk away with this question reverberating in your mind. Am I looking for the living among the dead? You see, even religion 
can cause us to look for the living among the dead. Religion is when we make a way to get to God, as opposed to realizing that actually God has made a way to get to us. I love that line in, in the story where Jenna says that she was looking, or Mary, but you know what I mean, was looking for him but he, but he, and, and didn't know where he was, but he knew where she was. I also love that line where no one says my name like Jesus. That speaks to identity. Nobody knows you, can describe you, can call you, can lead you like Jesus. But when we're looking for the living amongst the dead, then we're looking for other things to call us, to identify us, to, to give us meaning. I don't know about you, but for me, some of the ways that I might unintentionally, subconsciously look for life in other ways would be things like knowledge and understanding. And again, not that they're not helpful and good and important, but if I start, if I start getting the order wrong, where, where I think, well, if I can just understand more, if I can just learn more, well, then I'm actually turning that into a small g God. For others, it may be that, that with, again, without us even realizing it, it might be conscious, but a lot of the time it's subconscious, we're looking for an emotion, for an excitement, for an adventure, for something to just make us, I mean, we'll even use the terms, I want to feel alive. And you may, for a moment, because adrenaline can feel good at times, but it's not actually what, what gives us life at the deepest levels. We can look to busyness and distractions and entertainment and, and performance and production. We can look to people to give us life in a way that only God can actually bring us life. We can look to purpose, to doing good. But it's amazing how sometimes doing good can actually do us harm if it's done for the wrong reason. So if it's done in order to earn something as opposed to in response to having already been given something, as, as, as opposed to having already received grace, received acceptance, received the love of God and doing these things in response. Shauna Nequest in her book, great book called Present of a Perfect, says that this stuff refers to the cavernous ache. Am I loved? Does someone see me? Do I matter? Am I safe? She goes on to say that you can make a drug a way to anesthetize yourself out of anything. Working out, binge watching TV, working, having sex, shopping, volunteering, cleaning, dieting. Any of these things can keep you from feeling pain for a while. That's what drugs do. And used like a drug over time, shopping or TV or work or whatever will make you less and less able to connect to the things that actually matter most. Like your own heart and the people you love. And that's another thing that drugs do. They isolate you. Most of us have a handful of these drugs and it's terrifying to think of living without them. John Markoma talks about how we are often distracting ourselves from distraction by distraction in order to actually avoid the wound that would lead to life. She goes on, it is terrifying, wildly unprotected, vulnerable, staring our wounds right in the face. But this is where we grow, where we learn, where our lives actually begin to change. Am I looking for the living among the dead? I wanna encourage you to be patient with us, but to be intentional. 
Jesus' disciples were not all that sure. They were, I think that they, at times they were dis- disillusioned, at times they were disappointed, at times they were hopeful, but they kept following him in order to discover, in order to discern, in, in order to, to see that maybe he is who they hoped he would be. So I want to encourage you, even if you feel like you've been on the road for a while and you feel like you still don't think you've you know, figured everything out or have had all your, I can't promise that you'll have all your questions answered, but I do think that you can get to a place where you become convinced that you are convinced that you are convinced that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that what we remember over Easter time is true, that he really did pay the price for our sins that had to be paid, but that we could not pay, and that that doesn't just, as Sue said on Friday, save us for heaven one day, it actually saves us for here now. Like, it can change our lives now. I wanna encourage you to keep being patient and to keep perseverance, persevering. I think that Judas gave up too soon. And I, and I don't say that facetiously. Like, this really bothers me. Like, when I think about Judas, what you would think would bother me isn't what bothers me. Like, what bothers me is how you could be so close to Jesus And yet, because he doesn't seem to meet your expectations, you can betray him just before the revelation. So that's the first part that bothers me and burdens me. Because it makes me think, well, there are times where we may be tempted to give up because he doesn't seem to be fitting, you know, filling the the hope or the expectation that we've defined for him. So, So it scares me that we may be tempted to do it. But secondly... And again, I don't mean this facetiously. I don't know this for sure, but this is something that that I wonder about. I think it's sad that Judas wouldn't have believed that maybe Jesus was good enough that he'd actually died for his sins too. I think we might just assume that that what Judas did was unforgivable. Was it? Have we never betrayed God? But he thought that he was irredeemable, and I can't help thinking that he wasn't vulnerable enough. He didn't have people in his life that he would allow to actually minister mercy to him and say, hey, what you've done is going to be remembered for the rest of the world, you know, for, for, for the rest of like, like history, but, 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 but we, we also remember what Peter did. But then we also remember how he allowed Jesus to redeem him. So it disturbs me that when we are disillusioned, we don't press into that, we give up and abandon and betray because it's not falling into place the way that we'd like it to. People burn out or become disillusioned when we misunderstand Jesus and when we misunderstand his grace because we keep looking for the living among the dead. I came across something a while ago and I'm a bit of a slow learner, so I've often got to stumble across the same idea again and again and again before something actually starts to stick, but, but I came across it in a couple of different books until, okay, maybe this is something for me to take, you know, to pay attention to. Something called the cycle of grace, and before we put the image up, this is something that was um, created as a result of or as a response to watching missionaries burn out. So in the 1950s, Dr. Frank Lake, who was a psychologist, in fact, uh, he's one of the pioneers of pastoral counseling, 
in the UK, along with a Swiss theologian, Emil Brunner, or Brummer, Brunner, yeah, we can't put that image up now, you'll see some of these pictures of these guys, they, they actually decided to, to do a bit of a study, and this is reported on uh, by Trevor Hudson in his book, The Cycle of Grace, and John Ortberg in the book, Soul Keeping, where, where they, they basically did a study in order to understand why is it that these missionaries are burning out the way they are, when Jesus, who lived under enormous pressure, somehow always managed to appear life-giving. And, and not that he didn't experience fatigue or pain or suffering, he did. But it didn't crush his soul. You see, burnout isn't a physical thing. Burnout is a soul word. Burnout, in some ways, is actually a grace word. And so they started to, to try and assess all of this and put all this together, and they came up with what they call the cycle of grace, which is all very biblical, so don't worry, this isn't like a new idea, they just, they've just put it into language that actually makes sense to us. I'd like for you just to take a very quick look at this um, image of the cycle of grace where it actually begins kind of on the left-hand side there with acceptance, then sustenance, I'll unpack this in a moment, then significance, and fruitfulness. The order matters, okay? They're talking about being accepted, practices that actually sustain us, how then as a result, we move to significance and fruitfulness or, or what originally they termed as achievement. Trevor Hudson refers to it as fruitfulness. So let me unpack these very, very quickly. First of all, the, the movement of grace that refers to acceptance is again, kind of like an identity word, and I want you to pay attention. Some of you that are familiar with the New Testament, you may know that story of where Jesus was baptized, and then before he had done a single thing, before he had ministered, in Matthew chapter three, uh, looking down to verse 17, it says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Jesus was accepted before he had done a single public act of ministry or a single public act of good work. This was the grace of acceptance. It's interesting that again, so, so this is before Jesus begins his ministry and then when Jesus is about to end his ministry, before Jesus is about to go into the worst week of his life, what we call um, the Passion Week and, and the Passion of Christ where he, where he suffered the way that he did. Just before that, it's almost as though God reassured him again of that acceptance, of that identity. This is referring to the story of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17, verse five, it says, but even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, see, this doesn't sound familiar, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. See, Jesus knew that he was about to be rejected by men God knew that he was about to be rejected by men. And so he needed the acceptance. He needed the grace of it. You see, we burn out when we're relying on the acceptance of people. When we're relying on, on, on something else for identity, when actually, no, no, when we, when we accept that grace, when we accept that we are loved, before you do a single thing that is considered worthy, before you do a single thing to earn anything. That's why I love that phrase of Dallas Willard's, grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. So yes, effort is involved, and we'll see that in the next movement. 
but it doesn't, we cannot earn anything. Ephesians 2 verse 4 and 5 says that God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. In other words, this is why we celebrate Easter. Because of his love and his mercy that even though we were dead because of our sins. So no, no, we weren't serving God, seeking God, loving God, trying to be a good person. No, no, we were dead in our sins, but he loved us so much, had so much mercy for us that he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. That is the grace of acceptance. And Romans 8.15 says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, which is another term for like dad. Like, it, like it's an affectionate, personal, intimate term. Guys, if we miss this first part, everything else becomes about earning and then we start seeking the living among the dead and we get disillusioned with God and with others and we burn out. The second movement is sustenance, where we are sustained by grace. John 15 verse four says, remain in me, this is Jesus speaking, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. In other words, in other words there are things that we can do to continue to position ourselves to be in contact with God. We can, we can position ourselves for sustaining grace. And again, that's where I want to emphasize that grace is opposed to earning, but not to effort. So we do actually put effort into positioning ourselves to be matured, grown, taught by God. But the order matters. We are accepted, then we, we, we go through this movement of sustaining grace. Let's go back for a second to that, to that image, please, guys, the cycle of grace. I want you to pay attention to how that um, band, that sustenance, is actually broadening. It's almost as though they're trying to emphasize the importance of, of us strengthening that relationship through practices. Strengthening. The, the, the ability to give out because we are taking enough in. Peter Scazzaro uses language like, like making sure that we allow our being with Jesus to be sufficient to sustain our doing for Jesus. We burn out when our doing for Jesus is in excess of our being with Jesus. So, 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 so take a look as well at how the errors are, are pointing inward. So this is where we are receiving so we are positioning ourselves to receive grace, to receive love, to receive strength. Then as we go on, now as a result of that, we have something to actually flow out through us. Some of the practices that, that are evidenced in Jesus' life are things like prayer and solitude. Like he was just, guys, if you read the first few books of the New Testament, you'll see how often Jesus pulled aside it's not like, hey, I had this great moment of baptism. I'm good. I, I remember. I don't need anything more. No, no. You see, you can remember knowledge, but you, but you can't live in vitality without consistent intimacy. That's the danger for any of us that have been a Christian for a long time, is that we can, we can feel a false sense of security on what we know. Satan probably knows more than you ever will. Yeah. 
Can that just sink in for a moment? If you think that knowledge is enough, the people that arranged for the murder of Jesus were the most schooled people, theologically. We need relationship. This isn't a cliche. This isn't something cute and, no, no. We need a sustaining relationship. We need practices in our lives that, that don't make, a, I'm not trying to give you a list of another five things to feel bad about and to feel guilty about and to whip you back. No, 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 no. They need to lead to life. If it doesn't, over, over, over an extended period of time, then change something. But practices are there. Jesus was the son of God. He was accepted by God. He knew his purpose, but he needed to take time out regularly to be in solitude, in silence, to read scripture. At that stage, you would have been reading Old Testament scriptures. He would have had a prayer relationship. He needed to get away from people every now and then. He needed time with the Father. Think about in the last moments of his of his life, where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, like, like he was, he, again, he knew the deal, but he needed time with the Father to sustain him for what he was about to endure. We get disillusioned. We give up on God. We think we've been sold a bill of goods when we think that the truth is enough, so Jesus is the truth, but we reject Jesus the way, and so we don't experience the Jesus life, and then we wonder, you know, was I just brainwashed as a kid? Have I just been conned by a really, you know, good church or a charismatic Christian? Well, that may be the case, but only if we're not putting practices into place. I've been thinking recently about just the next 20 years of my life, for better and for worse. All pretty much for better. And... Uh, and I mean, I'm still praying and thinking into this, but, but as I stand here, if there is nothing else that I can achieve, then to help whoever God entrusts to be within earshot of me, if there's, if there's nothing else that I can achieve, then helping people figure out that there's a way to do life that leads to life. That, that things like a rule of life, which we'll talk more about later this year, Practices like Sabbath, which if you missed out on Tammy's message last Sunday, you, that is a message. If there's a message from the last two or three or four or five years to download and listen to, I want you to listen to that and catch it. Because it's, it's a practice that helps sustain us. Philippians 2 verse 13 says that God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Guys, that's where, we, that's where we respond to sustaining grace. He gives us the will and the power to do what pleases him. The last, oh sorry, the th sure, but I'm only on the second movement. All right, I'm gonna hurry up. The third movement is significance. Jerry Haas, who wrote the book with Trevor Hudson, refers to the, the fact that significance is the same word where we get the word signify or sign from, Okay. So, so, so when we talk about significance, we're wanting to actually signify something or, or, or to be a sign of something. And our lives, John Oldberg says, we're meant to be signs that point beyond ourselves to God. 
So again, significance in and of itself is not a problem. It is a problem when I want me to be significant. When, when I want what I'm doing to be a sign of how good I am as opposed to because of my relationship with God, because of His grace of acceptance, sustaining grace, I can't help but then want to actually start allowing the grace to flow out of me to where I become a sign of God's love and God's grace, where God gets the glory. The, you see, that's why it's so easy for us to, to get confused and to get tired and weathered when something that is good or an element of truth gets misused. That's what abuse is, to misuse something from its original intention. And so significance in and of itself is good if it is significant for the right reason. Wanting significance is a human need, but we corrupt it when we want it to signify our greatness instead of God's grace. And the fourth movement refers to achievement, or, or Hudson prefers the word fruitfulness, and again, take a look at John 15, verse 8. It says, when you, this is Jesus speaking, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So, so He wants us to be fruitful. He, he wants us to achieve stuff, but for the right reasons and in the right order. The, the opposite of this, okay? Take a look at and what happens for so many of us, the opposite is the cycle of works, which is all the same components just done in the wrong order. And notice how everything is just flowing out. So we're, just, so we're giving out, giving out, and we wonder why we get burnt out. But, but, but generally speaking, what happens is human nature, we want to begin with fruitfulness or achieving in the hope that it will bring significance in the hope that it will somehow sustain me, and that's where addiction and all kinds of stuff can come in, in the hope that I will feel accepted. Yeah. Guys, this is good news. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. The good news is that Jesus died for the other way around, for, for the correct order, the cycle of grace, everybody. The cycle of grace. Parker Palmer says, it might not be as much, he's referring to burnout, as much the result of giving out until nothing is left, as much as revealing the nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place. Parker Palmer can preach. In fact, can I get you to stand up as the worship team comes up to join me? I want to read that to you again. I want you to let those words sink in and I want you to reflect for a moment. He's referring to tiring ourselves out, to being burnt out, to becoming disillusioned, to being disappointed with God. Is it possible that it might not be as much the result of giving out until nothing is left as much as revealing the nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place? Now, I think that, I think that many of us can fall into both categories. So the, so, and I've got to tell you, I've been in both. In fact, I've been in all three. So, so I think there are times in my life where I'm giving for the right, I think increasingly I'm, I'm responding for the right reasons. But there have been times in my life where I'm giving out kind of for the right reasons, but I'm giving out way more than what I am allowing God to put into me. And then there have been times where if I'm honest with myself, which is very scary, but it's okay, you're the only one that's surprised when you get honest, God's not surprised. If I'm honest with myself, there are definitely times where I've been giving out of nothing to begin with. 
where there is a desire to feel more secure, more worthy, more, more acceptable. Like, am I making my mark? Am I making a difference? And all of that would be in the context of Christianity. That's how easy it is for us to disorder grace. So I'm asking you, are you looking for the living among the dead? Because Easter is the story where Jesus comes and he says to us that I've come to bring life and life to the full. We mentioned on a Friday, he hasn't come to make bad people good or sick people well. He's come to bring dead people to life. But the order matters. Last passage of scripture is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. Take a look at the screens. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. I thought about this the other day. The good things we do are only good if they are a response to salvation. The good things we do are only good if they are a response to salvation, if they are a response to grace. And then verse 10. So take a look at the order. You've been saved by grace. You've been loved. You've been accepted. Then we go on in verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Some of you have been around long enough to know that guilt's not gonna change your life forever. Grace changes us. Gratitude changes us. Am I looking for the living among the dead? I wanna invite you to close your eyes for a few moments. And just to reflect, please, I know you've been paying attention and you've been kind of like spectating, but I just need you to participate for a few moments. You don't have to believe. You don't have to be sure. I'm just asking you even just to think. So those of you that are in a relationship, you can pray. You can reflect prayerfully. If you're, not, if you're exploring Christianity, you can just, just think. Just think about these things. You can just be intellectually honest with yourself as to what it is that you're looking to, to save you. Because we're all, we're all looking to something. We're looking to a career. We're looking to success. We're looking to a certain physical appearance. We're looking to, to being wanted enough, liked enough, supported enough, followed enough, or having enough money that we feel financially secure, that we don't have to fear the future. Guys, we are all looking to something to bring us peace and hope. And maybe if we're lucky, a little bit of joy even. So if you're a Christian, I'm asking you to ask God to show you if there's any way that you are living that's actually looking for the living amongst the dead. And if you're exploring Christianity or maybe you've been dragged up by somebody, all I'm asking you to do is just to be intellectually honest with yourself. You don't have to tell anybody else. I wanna just even sow the seed just saying, what are you actually pursuing? And if you play that moving forward, because the reality is we have enough access to information where we can read up about people. We can read biographies. We, can, we, we know about people. You can, you can answer for yourself whether or not you think that's truly gonna lead to the solution for our deepest needs, our deepest aches. 
wounds that all of us carry around unless we allow God to bring healing. Father, I pray for every single one of us right now in Jesus' name that you would help us to see you, to see how kind you are, that you are the kindest person that we'll ever meet, to see, God, that, that you want something for us. Lord, when, when, when we talk about the narrow path, it's not because you want to kind of like be stingy and take stuff away from us just to punish us. No, no, you, you're wanting a life that is going to lead to healing and wholeness and purpose. Help us to see the heart of our heavenly Father behind all of this. God, help us to see where you're inviting us to taking a next step. Whether it's committing to 15 minutes a day of just spending some time doing a short little devotional reading, praying, or connecting with people where we can ask questions, or joining Alpha. God, or whether we've been on the road for a long time and, and we need to change the whole way that we do stuff. And not just the way we do our devotions. There's some of us that have to change our whole way to life. Help us to see where we're expecting a quick devotional in the morning to sprinkle pixie dust over the rest of our day, over the rest of our relationships, over our finances somehow. When we're giving you a fraction of our day instead of giving you our lives and inviting you into every part, into every meeting, into every interaction, into every cup of coffee, into every, into every thought, Actually, actually daring to believe that that, that that would be a good thing and not like having a headmaster watching us wherever we go. God, help us to seek the living where there is life. And Father, for people that, that may be wanting to take that next step in beginning a relationship with you, God, if for no other reason, help them just to be intellectually honest and help them to be okay with taking a step even if they're not convinced, even if they're not sure about everything, help them to be bold enough to say, God, if you're real, please would you reveal yourself to me. If you're real, then you're big enough to find a way. Would you reveal yourself to me? If what, if what Jason has spoken about today is true, please, would you find a way to reveal that to me? Or show me steps that I can take. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Before we go, we're going to end off with a song because we are celebrating resurrection life today. I do want to encourage you for anyone that is wanting to take a next step in your relationship with God or with something to do with the church, you can scan your camera over the QR code in the chair in front of you. Or if you're online, click on the connect with us button and it'll kind of give you prompts. We would like to help you take your next steps as you go along in your journey. But right now, let's end off with one of our favorite.